Hello and welcome to Time Lock, in which guests choose the records they would place in a time capsule to represent their lives. On this, the first episode, we're thrilled to talk with Sol Seppi. Sol Seppi, a.k.a. Sophie Mihaly Tizanos, is an English singer, songwriter, musician and all-round top person. Sophie studied piano, cello, and contemporary composition and orchestration, and has lived all over the world. With critically acclaimed Bells of One Two, a cult classic, IAAYA, otherwise known as I Am As You Are, sees Sophie take a deeper dive into self future projection, a record with its heart firmly on its sleeve. living in Greece with her husband and daughter, attention has already shifted to IAAYA's successor. I'm AMC and I'll be your host for the next hour. Sophie and me talked over FaceTime so please excuse some of the background noise. You'll hear her selections and reasonings, plus how Bells of One Two was almost created entirely by trigonometry, and how technology has helped enable the creative empowerment process, and much, much more. So thanks, Sophia, for being on the first gated podcast of this nature. It's great to have you on. Before we kind of get stuck in, I know you've got a very passionate sort of core fan base I know they're itching to probably understand a bit about what you've been up to and where you've been. So, yeah, maybe just you could sort of talk a little bit about what you've been up to. And obviously on the eve just past the release of your latest LP. Yeah, well, I finally finished that after quite a bumpy ride um, with like losing my longtime love, Alton. And so I had to sort of recover from that. And then I wasn't sure whether I would make music again or what was going to happen so I put out a few songs way back on an EP and then just just so people could have a few of them and then I was able to finish after that so I tracked the rest of it in Australia and then moved over to the States um, and mixed the record the rest of it there and then and then we put it out um, first my fans paid for some cds so i put out some cds and they bought those and now it's out on major platforms and stuff and it's um 
I'm super proud of it. And it's part one of a three-part series. So um, I Am As You Are is the name of the series. And I'm, I'm supposedly recording the next part of it now. <laughs> <laughs> it's already half done. And I have a bunch of orchestral works as well that I've that are sitting here written on stave paper. So I'm I have a lot to do, um, but the orchestra stuff is separate. Um, and part two, I'll I'll probably complete over here in Greece or um, at our next destination. But yes, very excited about it. It's I am as you are is very intense. It's quite demanding. It's um. Feels like it's of here, but not from here, and it's quite demanding to um, demanding work to do. But it's super, super exciting. I love every minute of the process of it. Said just earlier, it arrived on my doorstep yesterday, so I can't wait to get into it. I'm sure, Yay. sure, the same for, for many others listening in on this. So, did you always see it as a trilogy piece, or did it kind of evolve as as you went along? I wanted to do, it was initially going to be a, a double record. So this part one was always half of a two-part series, um, but it's evolved and, and, and I, could, I just couldn't, because of all the, st- all the stuff that happened uh, with my partner and stuff, I, I just thought, gosh, I'm going to put this first part out so people have something because everyone was like, where is Saul Seppi? You know, what's happened? Where's she gone? So I'm just doing it now. And actually, it's probably better because it, that's a huge listen to mm. do two of these records mm. in one. And it's completely against the trend, which is the opposite now, which is that people are feeding their fans track by track to kind of, I guess, boost their online presence or something. And the whole thing of giving someone an album these days seems to be a bit of a thing of the past. But... I really love the old-fashioned kind of getting a CD or a record and snuggling in and getting to know it, and it's it's kind of a process. And this one definitely is a process, so they all are. But the orchestral pieces that you mentioned, so you said that's separate to the I Am Is What You Are, but so so what's, yeah. what's the kind of backstory on that one? Yeah, what's they the just thing? came out. They um, when I was when I was um, writing. I Am As You Are Part One, there was just a whole opening in me where I was able to sort of explore other languages of experience, like through sound and tones, and I don't know, I just opened up and could feel things in new ways, and anyway, in that time, um, just all this lovely orchestral music came down, and so I wrote it out, and I would love to record it one day. And I have my eye on the Georgians because I love their singing. Some of it is choral. And so I'm, I hope um, one day, fairly soon, I can go over there and track with um, maybe an orchestra from nearby. And, and I'd love to go into a barn and, and for the singers and, and me and Scott to record in like an old barn in the mm. woods because they sound so beautiful just singing around the dinner table mm. which is it just comes out of them like 
I don't know, like sunlight. So that, that yeah, I would love to do that. But I'm going to do, I'm going to finish part two first, mm-hmm. which is half, to, half um, tracked. It's funny talking about part two and part one is only just released, so maybe we as the audience can consume part one, have some fun with that, yes. and uh, <laughs> get our heads around that. And it's interesting you mentioned that, obviously, the, some Georgian singing or kind of yeah. influences from there, because as sort of a nice segue into you know what we're going to talk about and listen to over the next sort of hour or so, your nine tracks that kind of make up some of your life. When I was listening to them, I was struck by just how much kind of tribal and I mean it's a truly worldwide sounds that we're going to hear over the next nine tracks I mean it it really is without being cliched it's really global and I just love the way you just said oh yeah well, I think I'm you know might, might get some Georgian sounds to do that piece of work uh, yeah. where, where, where did you know like you just plucked it from the air where did all the, this kind of global influence come from I mean because it's it's it really wide-ranging is it just something that comes natural is it something that you would introduce to kind of yeah that's a good question I think I mean when I when I came when I arrived here um music was very much with me when I was about three uh, I used to grind my teeth at night but in my teeth was an orchestra um and as my sister got older, she was younger, she would cry and shout to my mother to please ask me to stop clanging my teeth when, they were, when she was trying to get to sleep. Cause, but I had this, you know, I had this, all this music in my mouth and, uh, like, violins and stuff, and I, I don't know where I got that from. But anyway, what that, the reason that's relevant is because that's what I listened to when I was growing up. Like I would have long rides with my dad in the car and mm. we wouldn't talk, but he'd have beautiful classical music on. So that was my palette. And then when I was older, I remember like when I met my first boyfriend, I remember he literally almost force fed me Depeche Mode and I was like, it was horror to me. I just couldn't stand it. And I, I would go and listen to like my Macedonian folk music <laughs> <laughs> but uh, then I started to get it and I, I remember, I don't know if that was because of, you know, just becoming a young woman and, I don't know, having other kinds of experiences uh, into my palate, but I started to get the the naivety and the crunch and the kind of, I don't know, bare bonesness of mm. this 80s pop music. Mm. I liked it. Um, but my my... The global thing is, I think, because music for me is not just like, you know, cool sounds that you haven't heard before. That's one aspect of it. But it is about the human experience. And now I just love music that is that, sh- that reaches out and touches me. So let's dive straight into it. So track number one, yeah. you said to me this was your favourite intro to a song. So what, oh, yeah. what what is it that nails this particular intro oh, and we're talking about? You're talking about why yeah. I just I just love it's just that British punk sound that you can't it's just you can't find it anywhere else and I don't know what it is about it but I love it. I grew up in Britain and it just from I don't know what it is it's, and it's I just love I just love it. 
a lot in that sound that, that in a funny way I have in me musically and you wouldn't know it. It's it's not so it's not very much in Soul Seppi, but if I did a whole bunch of other stuff it would it would you know, I would be happy to have that um, sort of flavour in there. I just love it. I d I don't know why. Super woozy, fuzzy, kind of messy, but it sort of takes a form and then it just kind of goes off with it. it it's really quite special. It's just is raw and doesn't give a shit really. And mm. it, I, yeah, I just I don't know what it is. It's just super satisfying. That old British sound. I just really love it. It's it's in me. It's part of me. So maybe that's why, yeah. So, so you said you were living in the UK. Whereabouts in the UK were you around? And, and how did this infiltrate into your life, this particular time? Well, it's funny, because I certainly wasn't, like, in Camden or anywhere where, they, you know, all the pods were hanging out. They terrified me. I was quite young, you know, when... But, um, no, I was born in Wimbledon and grew up in Surrey, so that's not, you know, not exactly in the thick of things in London. Um, but still, we would... My uncle had... A stall on Portobello Road, and so I would go up there on the weekends. And it's, it seems hugely influential. I mean, you know, I just rolling off artists that just it just sounded like, or it should the other way around. In fact, the artists sound like that. So I think people like Beck, Pavement, even some of Blur. It's just it's a great track. I'm just you know locked onto you know that intro now that you've mentioned it. I kind of listen to it in a different way that I had before. So yeah, it's so great. I I think what it is too they. I like to feel that things are not too thought out and I, I just love that, I don't know, it just has that feeling that they're just hanging out in their basement or their studio or wherever they are just playing and they haven't really tuned their guitars properly and they don't care. I lo and it doesn't seem contrived to me like it does in later artists who have tried to capture that punk sound but it has that it has a bit more of a I don't know this just feels like it is what it is I think for me music in any genre needs to be what it is not not be trying to to sound like something else or mm. be like something else when it and 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 if it has that feeling in it it can be any category it could be like white metal or it could be anything but it will feel really satisfying to me just is what it is it wears <laughs> it its is heart it on is. its sleeve yeah yeah like i remember i remember having this re like i remember before i started bells of one two actually i thought i've always been i've always loved triangles and i've drawn like ever since i was little i draw triangles like when i'm on the phone i i love them they make me feel very grounded and i have even you know even imagined myself inside them and have since i was <laughs> small <laughs> And um, so I was a bit interested in Pythagoras as well. And then I decided, quite fancy, I thought, hang on a minute, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to investigate the whole Pythagoras theorem and, and, and I'm gonna, that's going to be my palette for Bells of One Two. It's like mm. his, all, all, all of that is I'm going to translate into music and base my chords around all those numbers. And which is quite fancy for me because I'm terrible at math. So good luck with that one, Sophie. <laughs> um, but it was, a, it was a, at the time, maybe slightly pretentious thought, but I, but I genuinely have a, a great love of triangles and angles and overtones and I'm sensitive to those things. So, But then, like, 
I don't know, two days after that, I went to a movie and I cannot tell you what it was, but there was an old man with a rubber band attached to his big toe and he was twanging the rubber band and singing and it was so gorgeous and it moved me so much and I went, ah, well, there you go, a rubber band on your toe singing from your heart. No, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to make music from my heart, whatever numbers that means, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> and that went into Bells of One Two as opposed to Pythagorean's Theorem then? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think we can hear that because it definitely doesn't sound like 3.14. No. <laughs> So, a nice segue, I think, into into the next track. So, we're moving up to sort of 2017 now, and Kelly Lee Owens, and oh, yeah. this particular track, Bird. And the question of mission I had was, did you intentionally choose something that was instrumental? Because I love it, and I think it's, it's a fantastic lovely, album, isn't it? isn't it? Yeah, no, I I love her. I really love her. Um, no, I didn't intentionally choose something that was instrumental. It just, I think she's. I think she's special and she has a lovely intention behind her stuff as well, which I think is the door in anyone's music creating when you're kind of when you set sort of an intention of why you're you're making something, it always comes across and I, I just love her. I think she's great. And yeah. you also mentioned it was I think one of our early conversations, you said something like it's driving to music so something you listen to where you're driving is that, is yeah. that, is that right yeah no yeah. it's i the, her stuff i have to be in motion i have to be moving and it's it's lovely in fact that record um when scott and i scott is from sparkles and um and when i i i, I came over to Spain as a possible place to live with my daughter and I asked Scott if he wanted to hang out with me there and we drove around and listened to that record um, and it was just fantastic driving music and it, it, it kind of I guess is the soundtrack to our romantic mingling like we, we met and listened to that so it definitely has that in there for me as well, I love it when music does that, that's one of those. And it's actually, yes. I think it's just been re-released actually. I think it's got a second pressing coming out in May because I, I know because I've ordered it. Yay! Yeah. No, yeah, she's and she's got so she's just done. Um, she just put out a new track as well, which is great. She's she's super great, and I love. See, this is this era um, of music making is so liberating for women because unlike when I when I started, like when I was writing music. I would write stuff at home and do it all myself and then I would have to go to, I would go, right, I need to record this in the studio. Okay, I need a record deal. Okay. And then you you talk to the record company and they say, oh, that's great. Oh, you've got bosoms and a nice um, bottom. Okay. You need to be in a hot suit and work with these producers. And um, that's nice that you write your own stuff. We don't really care what that is. But um, can you work with this guy and this guy? And then you, so you have to, you have to strip away. You, you basically get 
peeled away layer by layer and you'd sacrifice your potency to you know have a career if you want to and then you you have to work with these people in the studio normally men who don't understand um the subtleties of what women bring to the table when they're unadulterated and now i hope i don't sound like a pompous ass but it's true and now girls can just put out their stuff and and straight and go straight to youtube or whatever it is so great and now we're hearing like all these fantastic women artists and normally you're not you know when i was starting i I wasn't kind of allowed to to do that it's so bizarre but it's like oh no the the man will program the drums because that's what men do (laughs) so it's very satisfying and kind of cathartic in a way for me to just see all these great women artists appearing who haven't been touched by anyone no i'm not i'm not against of course male producers but there's an aspect of production there's a way that um women get chocolate boxed in the studio so if a woman is strong it'll it'll become diluted into the man's perception of what a strong woman is (laughs) and um so it's very satisfying to me Let's move on to... Now, this one really is interesting. Hong Ting. Oh, my God. Yes. So you said to me, my plants love it. Oh, they do. Yeah. Uh, that music is really special. I, I love it. I love... Okay, so... You know, here's the thing. Music, you know, is for all, for me, for all different kinds of things. There's some music that when you're, like, driving home and you... I shouldn't say, that, you know, if, if there's no other cars on the road and you want to go fast and hug the corners, then you put on, you know, some really good techno and it is fantastic and you, it takes you off somewhere else, you know? Mm-hmm. Why you, I just love it so much. And then there's other music where you just want to... Hong Ting I put on when I just want to be, like when I want to open the windows of the house and sprinkle some, like, lovely smelling oil on the floor and just water the plants and just have something white and floaty on <laughs> and it just just make it just be in the sort of present moment and um just 
Yeah, it's that. It, it's just beautiful for that. It's so lovely. I love music that, as well, doesn't have to do with anything. Where when you you find music that just is just its own thing, and it doesn't have to do with what's in or out or who or what. It just it's one of those for me, Hongting. I just love it. And the plants do love it. Yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a real connection with the uh, energy and uh, energy and the sound on this one. Um, I think this particular track called "Winter Ducks Play on Water" it does exactly what it says on the tin. It's exactly that. It listens to it and it goes all a little bit crazy with you know feet slipping and all of that. It's it's, re- <laughs> it's, it's really funny when you listen to it with that sort of, with that lens on. It's really cool. Oh, that's cool. I, yeah, I, I know it. I sh- for me, Hong Ting is um, is back. I shouldn't say background music, but it is. It's more. Um, I also there's some music Scott and I both love this. There's some music that I love at room temperature, like room temperature music, where it mingles in with the sounds that you're just making around the house, and you almost can't tell that there's music on. But then you'll just hear like. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I love that too so I, there's you know it's like a whole there's so many ways you can listen to stuff and you know what I mean for different for different reasons for different ways of connecting or being so I guess that's why my stuff is all over the place it's it's jumping in and out of different states of being yeah and that, that makes absolute sense I mean music is it's almost like an emotion, and it is an emotion because it's born from emotion, right? So, therefore, it means that you can have music almost for any occasion, any situation, and so to have it as background is perfectly fine because that's the right time in the way you described. So, it makes yeah. sense, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's funny at the moment, though. I've, I'm noticing, like, on on everyone's on all these YouTube videos where you're watching like someone build their, their little cabin or sailing around the world or whatever there's there's always soundtrack constantly and I, I do the other thing I like about me, music certain kinds of music is when it doesn't actually dictate an emotion so it can it has a it has a flow it has a pulse and it's doing something but it's not necessarily tainting your experience mm. with its with its with an emotional pull one way or the other mm-hmm. so i love that too do you know what i mean i do i do so it's it's not like superseding or, or overtaking maybe what the primary yeah purpose might be yeah. if that makes sense yeah yeah, yeah exactly because i think i think also music as another thing that it can do is it can frame a space so and in fact this to me is the where music should go and I think is going and if I use classical music as an example of like old structures like for me as much as I love when I say classical music I'm talking about sort of 15th century harmony you know traditional classical music that you would think of Bach, Mozart, Haydn, Brahms blah 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 but a lot of that music now feels to me old it's from an old time where emotions were the thing that music represented so you know you would feel like wonder when the flutes come in and then trepidation when the this come in and it's kind of this roller coaster and um i think that's phasing out now 
as far as how people want to experience things. And for me, yeah, the way that I, I love music and the way I'm hoping to create stuff is more just to frame a space so that someone can exist in that space and feel whatever they want to feel but not be alone. And there's a beautiful energy in the room or there's support in in there through the music but it's not telling them how or what to feel it's a whole it's it's almost like music can become a, a, a structure that you can walk inside and have your own experience to it and but it supports you through that i love that and that's actually what what part two of my stuff is hoping to to be Phony rappers who do not write phony rappers who do not excite phony rappers. Check it out, alright? Yo, I was riding the train and this Puerto Rican kid said simple and plain, let's battle. It kinda took me by surprise cause the brother was moving with his eyes on the prize. I said, screw it, I ain't got nothing to lose but um, but I got to do this shit real quick so um, hurry up kid, bust your joints and then I bust mine then I'll be out cause I got to see this hon. He said, okay. Yo, check it, check it out, blah, 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 that's what he said. Then I came back and just fucked up his head. Cause yo, he thought the MC who was seen on TV couldn't hold the shit down in New York City. Ayo, I showed his ass, then I went off on my task to bless her ass uptown. Real MCs will hold it down. Yeah, yeah, sonny, to the beat like that. You wanna bring it to me? Yes, Dre, I had a similar situation. Where this kid tried to tell me I didn't deserve my occupation He said I wasn't shit, that I was soon to fall I looked him up and down, grabbed my crutch and said pause Of course he tried to bring it on the battling tip And you know me, you know I had to come out my shit Trying to lounge at the mall, he's skeptic Mr. Walton Finally I banged his ass with the verbal assault He said I rhyme about his 45 and nickel bags of weed That's when I proceeded to give him what he needed Talking about, I need a Philly right before I get loose What excuse, money please, I get loose off of orange juice Preferably minute made, cause that's exactly what it takes to ride a rhyme Huh, so screw your nickels and your dimes Because an MC like me be on TV Don't mean I can't hold my shit down in NYC Talking of old style, let's completely flip that on its head then to you know, one of the most important, significant, modern, and even now modern is probably the wrong word because it's not really modern anymore, but we fast forward from 15th century classical music to mid-90s, the peak of hip-hop, in, in some might say, with a tribe called Quest. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. What about this? I mean, you said stuck in Manhattan, so it reminds you of Manhattan, your New York days. So what, what, when you think of phony rappers, what, what springs to your mind? Oh, um, Scott, um, he, he introduced me to that record and it, what springs to mind is sitting in old, old cars, catching old car services to Williamsburg and that was before taxis. Uh, that that was when taxis actually refused sometimes to take you there because it was supposedly very dangerous then. <laughs> um, but but I would call my from Williamsburg. I'd call this car service down the road and I'd say, "Oh hello, it's Sophie, and I'm on South Fifth." And then they would say, "Two minutes, okay?" And then it, and then they would be outside your door, and you would get in this old car at like nine o'clock in the morning, and they'd have their their. Uh, Da, 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 da. music on really loud <laughs> and uh, it would take me into Manhattan but 
that's the time, like, the East Village was not as fancy and pimped out as it is now. This feeling of um, embarrassment, this um, shyness, this bashfulness, if you take that out of the people, then these people will do whatever they want to do. And that is the very definition of America, a people who have no shame and therefore they do whatever they want to do. It just goes with that whole time and space. Like, it's really funny when you, I remember I took that record with me when I went to Australia for a couple of months and it was so wrong <laughs> listening, listening to it in the Australian suburbs while I was driving around. Oh, but I just, I love that old school style, especially that, I just love them. I just and I love particularly love that track. I wondered if lyrically you were trying to tell us something because you know phony rappers who do not write, phony rappers, you know, so do I'm, not excite. Exactly. I was thinking, oh, are you trying to tell us something here about you know being true to the craft, or maybe I'm just reading too much into it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, more power to them because yeah. what a true statement! Oh my gosh, what a load of shite that yeah. you know a lot of people especially in that world, just sing about now. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And yeah. that very form came into being to deliver messages. You know, it was a... That's why that came about. So I can totally understand his... You can understand that frustration where, you know, rapping just became about talking about the size of some girl's ass. It's like, okay, well, why can't you have a good beat and good lyrics? <laughs> anyway... But again, completely changing the tone now. And I, I listened to this, I've not heard this particular version of uh, PGZO before. And I was on the plane um, oh. traveling, to, to, traveling to my father in law at the weekend listening to this. I just wrote down magic. Yeah. Why do I do this one? But is it because it's magic? I mean, what does it it's do for magic. you? It's magic. It just, isn't it? It's just some, some performances have, I call it special something. It just is one of those with magic in it.
there's there's the bit where so she sings the first part and then it, she does this la, 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 la. she does that melody and I it so to me sounds like I'm stand, standing on a rock and I can I'm about to just fly there's something so beautiful about that it feels like the wind lifts you and you actually can go in the air I just I just love it what a beautiful recording I think I have to say the one thing we well maybe we haven't lost it actually but something about old music is that the performances are so special now it's not so much we can afford to not be very good at uh, instruments because we if we can manage a couple of bars we can loop something and then call ourselves guitar player <laughs> just good old-fashioned beautiful performing beautiful playing beautiful craft craftsmen playing their instruments and stuff I I do miss that a little bit in a lot of our music now you know and unlike maybe Hong Ting, this one for me was not background music. This one is no. gets your full attention, and you just want to soak it all up. Oh, it's so it's so beautiful. Okay, and moving on from that, we then get to uh, Goran Bregovic and Time of the Gypsies. So. Again, I sort of said right at the top, obviously there's a huge global influence here. So, so what about this? How did this one sort of come in, come into your life and, and why did you choose this particular version? the dirt 
with our arms up to the stars or singing together. There's a unity, that word unity probably, if, if there was one word that makes me cry or one concept, it's that one. And so this encapsulates that feeling for me. It's um, beyond the clothes we wear or the careers we've had, whatever, there's just something about it which is to do with the human struggle and the want to be known and the want to be loved and the want to be seen and the beauty of of that struggle because um, that struggle means that we know and remember the existence of a great love of which we're part <laughs> and I know that's a very deep way to go with why I love this song but that's why I love it. It has all that in there for me. You're talking about the unity of us as a species or just kind of like as a, as a being as a, in our part in the universe uh, no us yeah. as a us as a us as a species right. us as, as being made of really the same fabric right. um, the unifying force being that we want to love and be loved and be accepted and be allowed to come home regardless of who we think we are or what we think we've done and our judgments about ourselves or whatever that essentially we we want to be part of of, of you know a, an unconditional you know family of acceptance and mm. um we are so that 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 will kill me if i if i hear that in a song <laughs> <laughs> well yeah. we hope not literally well after that which is obviously from Hamza Eldin what is it that Hamza Eldin does for you he he's probably music is the most has been the most the music that I've played more than anything else through changes of country losses and fines and whirlwinds and calms I've just always had Hamza Eldin there and he, he goes on in the morning sometimes when I you know if it's a time where I feel like having music on and I just find it really grounding and I I just he's a beautiful person um, or was and you can tell and it's just a lovely energy to have on I, I just love him and um, I can't really say more than that it's just a it's just a lovely it's a lovely human being and his music is to me beautiful and again and actually that is that's music which to me is supportive um in that it has a warmth and there is it has movement and it has a rhythm um that goes with pretty much whatever you're doing 
not in a car. I would never listen to him driving or like on a bike, but at home. Also, it's very earthy, and for me, who has her head a bit in the stars, I, it's very grounding for me, that stuff. It just feels like dust and sand and rocks and things made of wood and carved out of wood, and it feels very ground. It's very grounding, so that's why I love Hamza. And he's just, he's just a beautiful man, very good heart. And how, how did Hamza come into your life? Was that, was that self-find, or again, was that through family? No, I, I, yeah, I found him. I don't right. even know how I found him. I just, I did. He's like, it's part of his, that's part of my family, very much part of my, it's just, he's just, it's just really grounding. It's, you know what it is? It's, I, I find it a relief to where there's music that doesn't have to do with anything in my scene where I, I just um, can be a little bit have no name and no, no nothing to do with the trends of the time or anything. I really do like to have that in, in my uh, pocket. I, find, I just find it nurturing and refreshing. And my stuff, um, where, where I get my music from is, is not really to do with anything going on at the moment or who's doing it. It comes more from it's vertical rather than horizontal. <laughs> it comes, <laughs> it comes that way, if sure. you know what I mean. I so not, not to do. So so I like things which also feel that way. And I like both, but again, it's just that that's why I love Hamza. It's really, really magical, really really Isn't magical. It? Yeah. yeah, and kind of spellbinding as well. Slightly hypnotic, yeah. just kind of you. Oh, he's a, there's a, there's a beautiful song. There's, you know, much of his music is, is just playing and I think he is magic. I think he gets the power of music in that, in that you can quietly have an intention that you want something to, to, to be this for someone. And if you hold that intention while you're playing, it absolutely will come through. And he can do it just with a drum. It doesn't have to be with words, it's just in the energy of his playing. But when he does, there's one song, I think it's called The Water Wheel, and he's he's so tender and he's so nurturing in his voice. He's almost like a, a, a really loving grandfather, and it is, it's just very humble. He's very humble. Um, I think he's probably a master musician. Super humble and therefore allowing of a pure love that that is in there in, in a lot of his tracks and I think that's yeah. And, and talking of you know important or fans of music, fans of song, the next one we were talking right at the top about uh, Casals and the oh, story yeah. behind this. I mean, this this is quite a story about about how this sort of managed to find its way onto your release, though it's not your song. So maybe just talk a little bit about first of all, what you're obviously a big fan of it. So why is that? And then maybe just a little bit about how that ended up on one of your releases that isn't really a release. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Um, I, I freaking love Casals. He, he's my favorite cellist. It, it's very close with him and Jacqueline Dupre, but he, I just love him. He's a true master musician. Right. And by that, I mean that he has reverence for what is coming out of him. So, and that's mastery to me. It's mm-hmm. when someone 
is actually humble to the sound that they're producing so that they're able to be in wonder um, at what's coming out of them rather than hover over it and judge it and go, oh, this is, oh, is that good? Oh, listen to me. Oh, I'm playing that really well. They've, they've gone a few steps um, after that where they've just, they're playing the sound as if it's coming through them and they are literally just an instrument through which the river can flow and all they have to do is see the beauty of that and that creates a huge amount of space for the great weaver to move <laughs> and, and by that I mean the creator or the, the dancer, the life force, the music itself which is a great power that is underestimated by by most it's a living being it's a teacher and it brings with it incredible amounts of uh, dimensional understanding healing blah 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 and so he's tapped into that and I absolutely could just go on for days about how much I love Casals and his playing and this particular piece he's gone he's in the music he he even makes these weird sounds you can hear him like going while he's playing like he's just gone he's right in the notes he's he's dancing and i think it's super magic So how did it end up on, on a release of yours, which isn't really a release? <laughs> <laughs> first, yeah, first of all, actually, I do want to say that that is not an official release, that mm. the label swindled me into quickly throwing together some th- tracks that they promised me would not see the light of day or be officially released. It was just a physical little CD to be sold after some live shows, so I'm that's not okay that that is online. It shouldn't be, Mm. and it hasn't been put online by me ever. Um, But because I love Casal so much and I love this song, I simply wanted to share it, so I put it on that CD. (laughs) Little EP thing. Yeah, so I I just wanted everyone to hear it. And I I didn't care about... uh, I mean, Casal's is long gone, so, so I... It didn't didn't bother me. I knew I knew I wouldn't get in any trouble for it, and I didn't.
moves on to the final track in an incredible selection so far. And this one, again, I've loved all the tracks. This one really clicked with me. Maybe I think it's because of my age, but we're talking about My Bloody Valentine. Yeah, and yeah. again, you said to me, choose anything from Loveless. So I went with, yeah. I went with Soon, but you could have, literally, as you say, we could have chosen any of them. So, anything. Yeah, so we're kind of taking a circle round. It's not obviously not The Wire, but we've got you know similar sounds going on here. So, so why did you choose My Bloody Valentine and particularly Loveless? Oh, that record, I think, was one of the easily most brilliant records of that decade. And just, it still is, it's a landmark, that record. I just, I just think it's absolutely brilliant in every way. And as influential as Pavement, easily, on that era and the forthcoming ones, you know? I just, I don't even really know how to explain it, it's just a brilliant record. I think that is, this is sad, that's the last time that I lay down on a bed with like, I think my flatmate, and we turned off the lights and just listened to that record for, from beginning to end, you know, and that's how we spent like a, an hour or, oh my gosh, I had those days of like just, you know what I mean, just going inside a record, and well, I, I, I love that. No, I just think it's brilliant. I know exactly. I know exactly what you mean. I did exactly the same thing, and just listen. Just listen from start to end, and the thrill of yeah. listening, listening to something for the first time, but then also just listening to something you really like or really love, like this, and just soaking it all in without any interruptions. It's a special moment. It's so special, and it's and it's it, that record is just really satisfying for me. It's really chunky. It's brilliant. Nothing. Nothing is come after it that's like it. I mean, there's a lot of, it's influenced everyone, I think, that that record. I had to put it in there because it's, to me, a landmark record of that whole time and time after it. I still love it. And there's a very, very, very good Andy Weatherall remix. And of course, Andy Weatherall sadly passed away recently, but the remix of Soon is also particularly good. If listeners have not heard that, well worth digging out. Yay, I, I want to hear that. I haven't heard it. Well, thank you for that. No, I sent it to you. It's, it's uh, superb. It's really, really Yay. great. And a nice kind of a bit more upbeat. Upbeat, even though it's maybe not all the way through, but certainly a nice rebel-rousing track to kind of get the blood pumping after what's been a fantastic conversation over the last 60 minutes or so with you, Sophie. It's been really, really great. Real pleasure having you on here. So we, you talked, obviously, about part two of the album, yep. maybe obviously the third part, but I oh know, what, what what else is next for you? Actually, there's going to be some other music called Intermission, just because part two is super intense to um, work on and record, and so while I'm doing that, I will need to jump about a bit and have some, <laughs> some other, some kind of more quick fix, fun, sexy sort of, just, glittery, sparkly, beaty stuff. I just feel like that as well. So I'm going to put out some intermission tracks. Um, and that that will be fun. And I also, I'm also doing it, there's another reason I'm doing it, because part two is going, it is in a zone of its own, and it may in fact alienate a lot of people. Like Soul Sacred people might be just be like, oh no, but where did she go? We want the like twinkly little 
little sounds again and the the beats and stuff so i i'm also doing some intermission music for those who may want to alight off the soul sepi train once part two comes out because it's very intense and it's um oh i don't even know what it's going to be but it's 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 uh, uh some people may find it hard to hold on to so i want i want some treats for for those as well sounds like it's good for you as well right because it is because i i love there's so many things different ways that i love to create so it's it's actually really and i've ne- i've actually never put out this i have tons of stuff and I'm super discerning and maybe a bit too discerning because sometimes when people hear what I've got just stashed here they get annoyed with me some of my friends that I'm not putting you know they're like well why don't what, why can't people hear that song or that song and I think that it would be confusing I do lots of things and they are quite different but I think I'm just yeah I'm gonna give people just other some other things just for fun and it is fun for me because it scratches other itches that feel good. <laughs> Lots to look yeah. forward to. So thank you very much, Sophie, for being on this, our debut podcast of this nature. It's been fantastic talking with you and good luck with the release just now and with all future releases too. Um, it's been great to have you on. Oh, thank you. Likewise, Alistair, it's been lovely to talk to you and I wish you all the best with this with this podcast and it's been lovely to meet you. During the editing process for this podcast, Sophie got in touch with the following message. I forgot my most beloved one of all. I can't believe I forgot her. She's from the 11th century, and I found her recently again. It is Hildegard von Bingen, and this is the track, Ovis Aeterit Attis. She was a woman of time, original thought and within a divine frequency of creation, which she poured forth through music and art and healing. She influenced many in those days in a way usually only reserved for men. She's a kindred spirit and I want her there and also for you.
pretty spectacular, right? It's from the album Cantiles of Ecstasy, released in 1994 and performed by Sequentia. Definitely go and check out the story and biography of Hildred von Bingen. It is pretty unusual. Once again, a massive thank you to Sophie for her wonderful selection and insight. You can purchase vinyl and digital copies of IAAYA on the Gated Bandcamp page and all good record stores. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Time Lock. If you have, please leave a comment, like or share, and don't forget the gated monthly podcast available to stream on SoundCloud, curated by Node. So until next time...